Mr. Crusher, engage? And he stands up, and I was like, what the hell am I watching? And he's like, Gene, this is for you. Oh, my. uh, They throw him a top hat and a cane. Okay. And he's like, A, I forget what A was. Uh, I don't remember the exact things for each letter in the alphabet, but I just remember thinking to myself, like, this was something that he probably thought would never be seen outside of the the track crew. Oh, Um, wow. But but you're doing it in front of cameras. You can't. Exactly not realize that yeah, it's getting well, recorded somewhere. Yes, but you have to realize that was made in the days long before YouTube True. was a thing. Yeah, but the convention could, circuit, at least. Sure, then. but that, at that point, it was on bootleg VHS Laserdisc. tapes. And <laughs> bootleg Laserdisc. And Laserdisc. 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 <laughs> no, way, Laser. no way would it be the, the, the film quality that we got on that YouTube clip, because that was, that was in HD. Could Does I it? have some sharks with some laser discs, please? <laughs> but he, it's cringy, because he's like, B, because you're so beautiful. And I was like, oh, wow. Gene wow. Roddenberry, beautiful. Have you looked at Gene? Oh, boy. <laughs> Especially during so, TNG days. Yeah, the stress oh, and everything. Oh, my God. And he's like, C, you guys. you're so cute. And I was like... What the hell are you singing here, buddy? Well, he he was a bit of a ladies' man back in the e. the fifties, sixties, seventies. Exactly, and this is what late eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. And then K, something like you're so kissable, and I was like, so wow. let's see if if yeah. I, if <laughs> I'm, I'm this starting to sound like a clumsy pass. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was shot in third season, which would have been oh jeez, eighty nine, ninety, because uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it spans across, but yeah, yes. 89, 90, somewhere in there. Probably 90. Like a bridge. So if I was to look this up, what would I look up to find it? Well, I will look for you while you're talking about something else. I'm pretty sure right. if you just search Patrick Stewart uh, Roddenberry birthday, yeah. it, it, okay, it that comes makes up. Sense. That yes. makes pretty um, much makes sense. It's just recently. Um, well, it, 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 yeah, it, on Reddit where I saw it. It, uh, it popped up a couple of years ago. That's when I saw it. A couple Jeff years ago. saw it first pre pre COVID. He probably the uploaded bef- it. I saw it in the before <laughs> he, time. He probably before recorded times. it. He record. He hand drew each frame on his backstage tour of the Paramount thing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Patrick Stewart. It's Gene's birthday. <laughs> Why don't you J give him a little is ditty? for Jeff, who is recording this. <laughs> and it's only him on the bridge. No one else is there. Yep. No other cast. Well, just him. Uh, would would you be there? I would ask for a closed set too. I think, <laughs> <laughs> or for a nude scene or singing "Strange Song and Dance" to Gene Roddenberry. Yes, closed set. What nude scene? No, I don't you know. Want that shit out there. Don't don't they have the little sock thing they can put on it? Yeah, on Roddenberry. Yes. Yeah, they put them on it all the time. <laughs> then again, wow. Todd's asking for a closed set, but he did a whole. Uh, he did his whole dissertation in college in his underwear. So yeah, it's true. It's very true. <laughs> Nah. Tidy whities too, as I recall. I've done college stuff in my underwear. Yeah, it was for my. Some of it was on stage. It was for my one-man show dedicated to Clive Barker. Now get that out of your head. Oh. <laughs> and his wow. mom was there. Wow, <laughs> Clive Barker's mom was there. No, Todd's mom was there. Oh. <laughs> it was an interesting show. Yeah, I passed. That sounds cool. I yeah, got a degree. Like, okay, listen. 
all right, you pass. Get the fuck off the stage. <laughs> yeah, really? like, get the fuck up. We know we gave you a half hour. Five minutes. That's yeah. what you got. Five minutes. <laughs> I was born. Thank you. You can go now. Well, wait, you I passed. Have, I, haven't, I haven't even. You passed. <laughs> you haven't seen the little monster yet. Next, go, Jeff comes go, on. Whoa. Gene. <laughs> <laughs> and then he pulls out a little monster puppet. But this, this, this is a little. Oh, okay. Fine. C is for Clive Barker. B is for Barker. We're going backwards, which is also B. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 616. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Omicron K. Damn. Yikes. Wow. Get the fuck out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maple Leaf Matt. And we're here to talk week and geek. Oh, gentlemen, good to see you. Matt, welcome back. We missed wow. you for a little while. Yeah, well, that... Swingers Nude Cruise was pretty good. Well, yeah. Uh. I, I'm, it, it's a couples thing. You go as couples. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of like a, like hedonism, right? It's the whole but, hedonism but thing. But somehow just Michael got on board. I don't know how that happened. Mm. He went as a single. So, you know, if I had gone away. as a single, I was going to room with him. So I'm glad I there missed the trip. Oh, I'm glad boy. I missed the trip now oh, that wow. I find this out. <laughs> sexy, sexy cruise. So we can't. So oh, yeah. you're not going to talk about it this week. No, I got to wait till Devonberry. Okay, I, I just want to warn everybody uh, who's listening. Uh, this is our last moment of respite. Barry returns to Vegas, and thus the show next week. Most likely ongoing. So yeah. I hope you've enjoyed this time of peace and sanity. Yes. Well, sanity. I might be pushing it True. a bit. And and Matt, yeah. I hope you've enjoyed being on the show. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I already... I was already like, oh, wait too many people. Probably I'm next. I'm gone. Uh, but the upside, Deb. Deb is, will be... Yep. Part of the show too, so yes, they, they counterbalance one another somewhat. So really? They, do so, they? I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, it's not so much the counterbalance as she's close enough to hit him, so well, that's what helps. I'm just curious to how chaotic it's going to be when Andy comes back and we have both Andy and Barry back, because that's a lot of chaos right there. You know what? My brain can't even wrap around that, Jeff. That's Thank okay. you for shutting me down. That's yep. just I'm just. That's what I do. That's what I'm right here to for. Us on, uh, well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Andy's spilling all over Barry. Oh, no. Uh, come on. It's me. No, no, no. He's going <laughs> to spill it like, on Matt. Yeah, yeah for sure. He would, it would be going towards Barry, and then it'd make it hard right. Yeah. 180. <laughs> That's true. Right to me. We would watch it in midair, just flip. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we would all be gasping for air because we'd be laughing so hard. Well, yeah. Back and to the left. <laughs> back and to the left back and to the left this week we are sponsored by omnibuslabs.com expert level e-commerce design and marketing at reasonable prices from a seasoned professional with decades of experience go to omnibus labs for all your e-marketing needs decades and we also have a very interesting promo for you we've talked a lot uh, about uh, J.R. Conkle's books right citadel of the fallen yes. and soon gathering of the fallen is coming out as well the part two to that book part yeah. well there's going to be a kindle promo coming up for those of you who have kindle torgo yeah. what's a kindle promo but it, you, I, you know what i wonder if it's not just the kindle i wonder if, if like you i think this is like any book review on it so here's the deal part two gathering of the fallen it, on December 10th, 11th, and 12th, that will be made available for free to all Kindle users. So really? if you get it in those three days, part two is free. 
now if you want to buy part one, part one's cheap. It's like four bucks. So for four bucks, you can get both books during I that time. I happen to be a Kindle user. Aha. But we have kind of a two-parter here because, one, we want to support J.R. Conkle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Fantastic author. And one of our Kofi members, Mad Martrin, who gave us the wonderful tongue twister of last week. Uh, you has, have to say the whole thing. Well, that was last week. That, that's, that's gone. Do it. That's moved on. Do it. No. Because this time we have something new. He is using a sponsorship for J.R. Conkle. And they've put together a bit of a promotion for this. So between now and Christmas, if you read either one or I both. I can't read. I can't read. Well, this isn't for you then. Oh, okay. This is for everyone else but you. Okay. But although I wonder if this works with it. I don't think there's an audiobook of it. Oh. Yeah. Not yet anyway. Well, what about text-to-speech? Oh, there might be that. <laughs> And he walked up the hill holding his sword, Dude. and then he... I could, I could do a, an audiobook, uh, <laughs> do it like in Cleveland's voice. Oh, wow. <laughs> Man. Watch him jump at that. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't remember the book. I remember the book, but I don't remember word for word the book. I would have to have a script in front of me. But you know what? If you got those early Kindles back before they got into Audible... Yes, you could have the robotic voice read you any book that you bought. Yep. And it was pretty unlistenable, but it would work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you have the old oldest Kindle, you can get get the audio version of it technically. There you go. Yeah. Shock monkey. Yeah. yeah, if you want your speaking spell to read your books to you, then yeah, you're good. So, Gathering of the Fallen on the 10th, 11th, and 12th of December, uh, that is going to be made available for free on those days. Now, if you go on to Amazon, once you've read the book, and you do a starred review on it, or if you do a typed-out review, or both, do up, both. up until Christmas, it super helps out Mr. Conkle, but also you'll be helping us because it's worked into a promotion where we'll actually get a kickback. So if you want to help out the show and help out Mr. Conkle, get the book. Write a review, put a starred review on Amazon, and not only that, but Mad Martrin has upped the stakes a little bit. Between now and December, it's going to be counted up how many reviews he gets. All right? If there are, and the, Mad Martrin set these up. If there are 15 new ratings, Deb will read news you don't give a shit about. As he writes, she's the star of the show, I'm sure you know. That's yeah, fair. It's, it's the Deb show. The Deb show. It's the Deb yeah. show. Uh, if there's 30 new ratings. Now, here's, here's one he put on there. He wrote, uh, Barry has to make and sell a cool Geek Shock hat. Uh, we're replacing this one because that is already in, in motion. Yeah, it's not enough torture for Barry. Right. So we're coming up with something that's very torturous for Barry if there are 30 new ratings for J.R. Conkle's books. At 45 new ratings, Jeff has to recite the lyrics to Sir Mix-a-Lot's I Like Big Butts as Paul Mattingly impersonating Mumra. And at 60 new ratings, and this kills me, at 60 new ratings, the Geek Shock team needs to do a Geek Shock sports report on the NFL wins and losses of the previous week. For this, okay. Easy. Yeah, yeah, I could do it. We could do it. We could well, do it. well, three of us could. Now, now, Todd, these ratings—is it just for the second book? Is no, both books. It's for both books. 
okay. the first and the second one. Thank you, Mad Martrin, for sponsoring the show for this. Thank you, J.R. Conkle, yeah, for putting together this much, promo yes. together. Absolutely. Thank you. And so if we hit those tiers, and this goes out to all shock monkeys out there, if you're listening, pick up a free book on the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Again, that's Gathering of the Fallen. And if you don't have the first book, Citadel of the Fallen, grab that for cheap. And write a review before Christmas, and it helps out both the show and super author J.R. Conkle. So thank you, thank you so much for setting up this promo, Mr. Conkle, and thank you, Shock Monkeys, for participating. Every time you say his name, I think J.R. Tolkien, because it's like J.R. Conkle. There is something to that, yeah. Yeah. It it, kind of bounces. I like it. I like it. I'm just impressed that if we hit these tiers, these reward tiers, there will be actual tiers from Barry. (laughs) There will. Uh, We've already come (laughs) up with with, uh, something for that that 30 level for Barry, Mm -hmm. but... uh, but we've also asked Deb what would really hurt him the most. Yes. And it wants to be something that we can perform on the show for you as a reward. So it's coming. Yes. We will announce it soon. And of course, a big thank you to all you Kofi members out there. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Yes, thank you. We love you, love you, love you. You guys are crazy. But a good crazy. I made Even a pro- if it's a bad crazy, it's fine. Speaking of Kofi members, the, tonight we also give away the newest <gasps> painted mini. Oh, now I, I like kind of a thing that's happened with the uh, discord is that I've been putting up, you know, I, I take a picture and I show the mini before it's painted. And then of course someone said, Hey, that kind of looks like uh, Ron Perlman from <laughs> yeah. uh, beauty and the beast. And I'm like, so that, that kind of influenced me to, to run with a Hellboy theme on it. So yes. I kind of like the idea of the discord members influencing the paint scheme of each mini. So this week we are giving away the hell girl mini. That I completed it just this last week, so it is ready to give away. So, Matt, I'm going to have you reach into the bowl of honor. Oh, God. The bowl of honor. The bowl of honor. honor. And pull out honor. a name. I feel like Paul Atreides pull out. put my hand into the uh, black box. And out. Here goes this one right here. This one's going to Azrael175. That is the winner of this week's this week's Jesus Christ not paying that much <laughs> of this month's mini. So congratulations, congratulations. Azrael 175. Congrats. It's a good looking piece of art. Yes. Now I've already started work on the next mini. Oh, so I already gave two clues out there to the Kofi members as to what the next mini is. First clue, sci-fi. Second clue, Warhammer, Warhammer, Warhammer. Oh, is right. there any other sci-fi? So Come I'm on. just going to announce it right now. <gasps> Star Trek. Oh, why did I say that? <laughs> is there any other sci-fi? Oh, I was being serious, too, because Warhammer's the best. But anyways, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. It's going to be a space marine. It's, it's going to be... All right, but I'm going to leave it up to the Kofi members as to what chapter. A space marine. Yeah. Space so, marine. So that's going to be next month's mini, or the one I'll have by the end of this month. So, mm-hmm. so congratulations once again, Azrael175, and... Again, anybody in the brisket taco tier, that's tier three or higher, is in this bowl of goodies. So in the bowl of honor. So next month, it will be a new name. Bowl of honor. Uh, honor. Speaking of bowls of honor, gentlemen, what did you do this week? Nothing. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Fly your pants on fire. All right. Well, well we know we, you can't talk about your sex cruise yet. So... <laughs> Okay, uh, what else? Did I was I looking forward to that part. Uh, well, wearing my jammies and everything. Yeah. 
Oh, we played some Warhammer 40K. Uh, yes. Munchkin. Oh, Munchkin. Oh, oh, you, oh, you got me really excited for a second there, and then you said Munchkin at the end. Oh. So I was like, wait, you got who to play 40K? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we were going to have a D&D night, but as many D&D nights go, yeah, we, we, we spent so much time talk. catching up that by the time we were done eating and ready to play, it was like 9.30. So we broke out the uh, 40K Munchkin, and Matt won. Listen, I don't know what the hell listen, that was all about. Listen, he says. I had the Omnisci on my side, aka the Emperor of Men. Oh, okay, right. okay, okay. So, yeah. and I believed in the machine spirit of my phone, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. I won. That's yeah. just that one. That's just, you were a filthy Xenos, you Tau. Actually, I was a Tau too, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, for the greater good. What is this, Canada? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> My <Socialist> God. Bastards. <laughs> I mean, you know, they banned our guns. Wait a second. Don't you have a Tau Army? I, uh, I, have, a, I have like a 500-point Tau Army. Yes, okay. A small little force. Yes. That's his, but, uh, that's his uh, backup squadron. I also have Chaos. Corn. Right. Corn. Because that's your first army. Corn. My very first. Corn. And then 20 years ago, Tau came on the scene, and I was like, ooh. ooh they have this kind of looks like Japanese manga or Gundam, so I picked that up, and then I never played with them. Play I in Gundam them. style, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I painted them like stormtroopers. Did I show you my old towel? You did. They're like stormtroopers. Yes, they white are. and black, and they're ooh. twenty years. You could tell my painting ooh. will probably be worse than that when I start painting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you never, yeah, no. Yeah, so I'm kind of concerned. I might have to uh, Might have to hire. I don't want to do it. No. <laughs> I know work. a guy. You, you're going to yeah. have to work some overtime to afford him, though. Yeah. This guy, he's premium. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I've, it was qu- quite in demand, apparently. Really funny because uh, we've now, uh, Lewis is now firmly convinced, probably correctly, that we're doing items wrong. And unfortunately. For Munchkin. Munchkin. For Munchkin. Okay. okay. And uh, Paulette, uh, typical Paulette, she likes how we do it wrong. <laughs> And so there may be a little problem with playing future Munchkins. Listen, so. there's going to be a Paulette Heresy in the oh, Warhammer, Jesus. Warhammer 40K yeah. universe. Yeah. Okay, so it's going to it's going to come down to we're going to split the table in half. Do you want to be a traitor or honor honorable? I see Paulette mm. as more of a Zinch kind of thing. She's an agent of change. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> wow, I'm talking about the Primarchs. They split in half. They fought each other. Yeah. That's what's going to happen to our Warhammer 40K oh, Munchkin okay. game. So Lewis and Paulette <laughs> are going to fight. So what you're saying is Paulette is Horus. Pretty much. Right. And, yeah. and Lewis is uh, Golemon. Lewis or, is... Or actually, wait. Roggle Dorn. That's him. <laughs> Jeff, are you getting all this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For those out there, he's very Roggle Dorn. Very... Is that is that your Rogel Dorn impression? <laughs> wow, <laughs> I kind of like Rogel Dorn. Can we get him for some man baby stuff? <laughs> I was just caught up on the fight between Paulette and Lewis, and I'm yeah. sitting there going, Paulette would definitely win. That. Oh, but Lewis oh, doesn't stand a chance. He doesn't yeah. stand a chance. Yeah, that's that's given. Zinch all th- all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think where Rumcake. Which Primark would she be? Oh my. So who works with Zinch a lot? Oh no, that's Paulette. So, <laughs> Rumble Dorn. So, uh, Ferris Manus. Ferris Manus. Ferris wow. Manus. The, you know, Salam- the Salamander Primark. This sounds. That is rum cake. This sounds like like uh, 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 J.K. Rowling names. 
<laughs> you know, that's the great thing about Rumble there's Manic so many characters and... in 40k universe that he could be making shit up and you'd never know. Yeah, but you know I'm not. <laughs> I know you're not. I know yes. you're not. Wow, that's crazy. It's, I, it's pretty good because like Fulgrim, you know, there's, yeah. there's Logar, 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 yeah, Hufflepuff. Fulgrim did nothing wrong. <laughs> no, he, he didn't actually. <laughs> Magnus, Magnus the Red, yeah. No, Magnus did nothing wrong. Fulgrim did everything wrong. Yeah, he. I was, I was like, I was questioning you there. I was like, does he, what did he depends how much of a sick bastard I am. Yeah, because he was like painting with blood and feces. Yes, for the people he just killed. Yep. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. As one will. As and one and will. jacking off with like sandpaper, you know, like that's Todd all over the place. Forty K is an interesting bastard. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, that's what I did. Or we did. Okay, so Matt jacked off with sandpaper. Jeff. Yes. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff what did you do this one? On my pleasure planet. <laughs> oh yes. my god. Uh so I did get to um well. I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I got a free uh, one-year subscription to uh, Paramount Plus. Yes, through my mobile provider. So I decided to watch the South Park post-COVID special. Okay, that was on there. I watched. I watched it last night. Okay, and because we had referenced that they were going to be doing some direct to Paramount Plus. Right. This is their first yes. movie, quote unquote. Uh, yeah, I, it's an I, hour-long movie. Yeah, it's an hour-long episode. Yeah, uh, with no commercials. Unless you had the plan that I have, and that's like I think every twenty minutes they made you watch uh, a ninety-second block of commercials. But at any rate, I thought it was entertaining. Uh, I thought it had some—I—I'd I, say humorous, but definitely not laugh out loud funny. In fact, I—I I didn't chuckle. I, it was more you know anything more than just a chuckle during the whole thing. I'm just—I'm just honestly not sure how I, how I feel about it. Sure. Well, it's. It's as South Park does. Yes. They they skewer all political bents. Yes, exactly. Whether you're left or right on COVID, that is true. They they go after you one way or another. There's there's no sacred cows for them. Right. So I can see how some of the humor for either side could be rubbed the wrong way in that special. It w- I will say I like what they did with the characters. Right. Uh, I don't think it's given away too much that this takes place in the future, which the show makes very clear that it's in the future. Yeah, it yeah. does. It definitely uh, the, does. The, the kids are adults now. Yep. Whoa. And it's basically what happened to them. Right. Wow. Uh, I, I do like what they did with the characters, though. Uh, I'm like you. It was amusing. It was clever in a lot of spaces. Yes, definitely, definitely some clever writing, right. for sure. Uh, but I think it all comes back to how much you liked the first COVID special that they did. Which I did see as well. Right. So if if you watched that and you liked it, you'll probably like this too. Uh, and that's the one where Randy's running the the weed farm and all yes. that. So so that's, that, that's your bellwether. If you watched that one and liked it, you'll like this. If uh, that didn't right. do much for you, you'll probably feel the same way. Indeed. So yeah, um, indeed. If you like South Park, I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, like I said, I just I'm I'm not sure how I feel about it overall, other than to say that it was entertaining. Next thing was I watched the most recent episode of Hawkeye, and goddamn, that was such a good episode. I was having so much fun with that episode all the way through. I actually had a couple of moments where I I was clapping and laughing out loud, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, which I can't give away why I was doing that, but if you watch the episode, you'll know. 
I never have these just, reactions when I watch shows. Like I'm not up there clapping. I, I don't either, which is why I was I was surprised. It you, surprised me. Okay. And I will say the the chemistry between uh, Jeremy Renner and God damn it, Haley, my Steinfeld. Brain, Haley Steinfeld is really really fantastic. They play off of each other very well. Yes, I'm aware that a majority of that is scripted, but I feel like there's probably a little bit of improv that they've allowed to happen there because like I said the the, the, the two like some of the line delivery and the, like the call and response typical line delivery was just on point. Really really enjoyed this last episode. They're definitely hinting at more things happening through the rest of the series, so I'm very interested to see where they go, um, see whether my suspicions are correct or if they're doing the typical thing that Marvel does where they hint that you're going in one direction and then they you know, you know, know, they make you think you're going left and then they make a right turn. So. Are, you, are you telling me there are going to be twists in the plot, Jeff? Maybe. It does. Wow. It, it, it's, it's not unprecedented in the MCU. I, I'm enjoying the series a lot. I really am. Uh, and granted, it's only three episodes in. I'm still really, really enjoying it. And then the last thing I wanted to mention, Christmas Vacation is one of my favorite movies. Ah, yes. It's, of course, getting that time of year. It's starting to pop up on the cable channels because we're now in December. I was on YouTube, and Hats Off Entertainment is a YouTube channel, and they do... This series called Lost Version of, and then fill in the blank. And then this particular one was an episode. This episode was Lost Version of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Now, what they do is they kind of examine these pop culture movies that we've probably grown up with or maybe are being introduced to some of the audience for the first time. But these are movies that are typically considered classics. And then they talk about the differences between the script, the scripted version, and what actually wound up on film. And what was I found amazing about this one is that so much of the John Hughes script was filmed as is. You know, one or two scenes were deleted um, just to kind of tighten it up, uh, which I'm sitting there, they're talking about the scenes in the script, and I'm like, yeah, you didn't really need that, you know, but it just shows how good the John Hughes script was. And especially some of the, you know, the Chevy Chase tirades that's in this film that you think are improvised, turns out were scripted. And with one or two words maybe dropped out in different takes, it's almost, it's almost exact to the script, his, wow. his, his uh, delivery of the lines. Um, so I found that very fascinating. And then, they, of course, they talk about how sometimes when a movie is edited for television... They'll add in deleted scenes, and that was one of the things they brought up uh, is when he got the the DVD on the for the very first time. You know, it's been released multiple times since then. Uh, he on the title screen on the interact quote unquote interactive menu, which used to be listed as a feature on DVDs. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, there was a still photograph that he did not remember from the film. Went back and watched the film again just to make sure it wasn't something he just didn't remember. And then uh, was able to track down a couple of other stills from that and then uh, find the part in the script where it was referenced. And apparently some of the uh, people that he talked to while he was doing his research remembered seeing this. So apparently 
I think it was on ABC, they had uh, aired a version of this and they had that particular scene added in. So uh, I just found that very amusing. So hats off entertainment, lost version of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Hawkeye, and of course, South Park post-COVID special. That's what I did this week. Those are the three I'm going to bring. I love that stuff with the whole... If you go out there, there's plenty of databases out there that yeah. you can download and read PDFs of earlier drafts of screenplays mm-hmm. or, or versions that just were never made but were turned in. Yeah. Uh, for example, Frank Darabont's Indiana Jones movie is out there to be read. Yep. And there's a few, Friday, uh, not Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Streets mm-hmm. that were submitted but never accepted that you can read. And so it's always interesting when you get that first or second draft because usually a movie goes through about five drafts before they hit their final bit. Yeah, the early drafts of Ghostbusters are night and day difference oh, geez, between yeah. what was filmed. And even uh, Dan Aykroyd admitted that. He's like, yeah, we, what we filmed was definitely better than what my initial ideas were. But it got the, it got the gears turning and it got him and Harold Ramis to you know, pitch back and forth. And then uh, once Ivan Reitman came on board and you know, the three of them really crafted... Um, a movie that to this day is the best of all the series. Although Afterlife, I really, really enjoyed. But yeah, it just, yeah, I love that stuff. Um, shoot, I remember uh, when we were both in college, uh, obviously going to separate schools, but you uh, were really fascinated with an Alien versus Predator uh, script that you had that was a, a, at least a full decade before we actually got an AVP movie that you know ended up being really shitty. These two dudes blew my mind. All right, this was back when I was at University of Evansville, and the mall is where you would have this antique show. Yeah. In the middle of the mall, they'd set up all these tables and so on. Two dudes had a table of scripts. Right. And, and again, this is early internet days so they weren't getting them from the internet at this time yeah they they had access to somebody in hollywood that was feeding them unproduced scripts yep so there's just this big lineup of there was a spider-man script Uh, i bought a treatment for uh a star wars movie that was actually a early treatment from lucas it turns out yeah and, of course, the Alien vs. Predator script, which was based on the comic book at the time. Right. And they just blew my mind that that existed out there. And then, of course, a few years later, you would start to find these things on BBSs. You know, that's right. That's Andy's favorite place to hang out. Oh, he loves them. Yeah. Uh, that all these unproduced scripts, you could find them, and I'd download them and whatever. This is early. This is 90s, like 94. Right. You know. I didn't realize that you could find those for things. And they were selling them to finance their own movies, which were terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Because I did get one of their movies as well. And uh, as soon as I find it in storage, because I kept it because it's such a bad movie, I do want to send it to the Red Letter Media guys because they deserve it. (laughs) Yeah, somewhere in in my collection, I have a... uh an early draft of the Star Trek Generations script. And that is such a different script from what was shot. Um, Cause I think the version that I have still had uh, lines that were originally supposed to be Kirk and McCoy that were 
rewritten and condensed and made as Chekhov and Scotty. You know what? I, in the in the filmed version, I did buy the script for Generations. Oh yeah, you did yeah. have it too. So I, I yeah, I had that as well, and I remember reading it before seeing the movie. Oh, I didn't until after. And <laughs> the the ending was the different one because they yes. changed the uh, the Kirk death. Yeah, they went back and re and did a whole bunch of reshoots. Uh, so I, they were legit scripts. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting thing too because they shot all of the um, Nerid, uh, Verinda three. Meridian Three, whatever the name of the planet is, my brain is trying to trying to search the data bank here. Um, anyway, uh, they <laughs> shot that at the Valley of Fire, just outside of Vegas, here in Nevada. Yes, they said they they left all of that ironwork, you know, the bridges and the the chains and all that stuff. They just left it there when they were done shooting. So when they go back to shoot, I think it was like three months after they had done all the initial shoots. They said they were amazed. They went back there, and it was all still there, and it was all in the same shape that they left it in. And apparently, to this day, remnants are still there. And that movie's 28 years ago, 27 years ago, something like that. Crazy. Uh, One of the things I did this week, along the same lines, I did watch Hawkeye, but I've also been reading the Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye for the comic books, Yeah, uh, which is where a lot of the TV show got its influence. Well, yeah, he's a a co-writer slash producer on this series. Right, right. He's a consultant. I know he's at least that much. Uh, In fact, the design of the credits at the end is based off the cover of that Hawkeye run. And I'm loving reading it. One, it's such a brilliant story. Now, they're two different things. The, if yeah. you, one will not spoil the other at all. The Disney version, they're telling their own story, and they're doing, a, like you said, Jeff, a fantastic job with it. Of course, with the comic book run, Hawkeye doesn't have a family. He lives alone in an apartment building and so on. So it's a whole different character, but that camaraderie between Kate and Barton are there. And you can see little Easter eggs that they've pulled out from the comic book to put in here, uh, like the uh, like the classic vehicle in this third episode yeah. was very important <laughs> in the first starting part of the Fraction run. What I love about the Fraction run, Fraction, Matt Fraction, isn't it Matt? Is it Fraction? Fraction. It is With Fraction. Yeah. Okay. So what I love about the Fraction run, Fraction uh, Fige, and is that. You are looking at everything through Barton's eyes. So everything's through Hawkeye's eyes. So when he goes to see a Cirque du Soleil knockoff, when the person is sp- speaking in French, it just reads French, 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 French. <laughs> you know, it's, when, when, he, when he loses his hearing aid, he use the, the word bubbles. You only get the occasional word as he's able to read the lips of who he's seeing. So it, it this does a really good job of putting you in the head of Hawkeye in the comic book form. So if you're enjoying Hawkeye, uh, go back and check out the Fraction Run. It's definitely worth your while. Yeah, Is that, that where he's I older? I want to do that now. Uh, the Fraction Run is where he's older? No, there's also Old Man Hawkeye. Okay. So that's yeah. that's another set. That's from Old Man Logan, yeah. which was great. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I fucked that up. That's Fraction. I always get the names right, Kay. Yeah. That's, that's how I roll. <laughs> I, I, I'd forgotten because his, uh, his ancestors had come over from France, and uh, their original name was Decimal. 
It's okay, <laughs> Kirsten. No, that a lot of, don't, that don't step on my no, no, joke, no. Jeff. I just did a joke. You will let that sit in steam for a minute. No, I was oh, going to say, oh, it's, uh, it's okay, Kirsten, because a lot of people have trouble with fractions. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, it's steaming. <laughs> Decimal. Uh, and the other thing I did this week Decimal. is the... Uh, <laughs> The Kofi members that are Fireball Risky and higher, we get together once a month to play board games. Oh, and yeah. a group of us got together, uh, Leon Mitt, Jeff Harris, Ozzy Matt, and Mad Martrin. We got together on Board Game Arena, played around a Saboteur, which is a fantastic card tile-laying game that does involve, yes, a betrayer mechanism to it. Oh, really? You <laughs> played a game that's really? Oh, okay, all right. We also played Downforce, which is a Formula One racing game. Where it's also you are also you're buying cars for the race, but you're also betting on who's going to win. So even if you aren't the one that wins the race, you could still win the game. Okay. And then we played some six nipped. So for and some what six nipped to take six in German. Okay. A, a great card game on there. It's easy to learn, hard to master kind of thing, and uh, you can almost always find Andy playing that on Board Game Arena in some form. Uh, he's always on there with that. It's a great game. Uh, but we had a fantastic time playing. So thank you, everybody who, who came to play. Uh, you were great. I didn't win a single game. I got to say that. Uh, what? Yeah, I didn't. Even with the betrayer nope. mechanic? Nope. I was only the betrayer once. Uh, what? Of, of three rounds. So, wow. Yeah. I find that hard to believe. Yeah. I think he's betraying us right now. So, so we'll be doing this again next month. I know Leon Mitt is putting together something for like a regular get together. So, uh, the Kofi members on the Discord, uh, check that out in the Board Game Arena channel. Uh, he's putting that together. He's already made selections and made uh, links to games that will they'll be playing. I guess every Saturday is the uh, is the idea. So, sure, you're looking at me. So, yes. So the information is in the Discord. Saturday. Way to, way to be a part of it, Kay. There you go. I'm helping. Yes, you are. <laughs> in no way whatsoever. <laughs> With ah. what I have no idea. Yeah, so, really. so we'll be doing it again, so be watching for the next time that we do. And that's pretty much what I did this week. Kay, what'd you do this week? Well, I got my booster shot. I went to a, I scheduled an appointment at CVS and got... Uh, I decided to mix it up a bit, so I got the Moderna on top of my, uh, Ooh, on top of my Pfizer. I read all those things about you growing a second penis, and I'm like, I'm not scared. Yeah. Yeah, so. But but how's the 5G reception? Oh, pretty good. <laughs> okay, good. I'm ready to give up on my phone. Nice. So at 3 a.m., I woke up having to go to bathroom, and I went into the bathroom, but then all of a sudden I got, you know those uh, those shakes? Ah, uh, like mm. chills kind of thing? When, when you're, well, actually, no. This was uh, like right before you throw up, when oh, your body is yeah, like yeah. gearing Ooh. up for it. And I got white as a sheet. And I broke out in a sweat. And so I'm sitting there on the floor in front of my toilet. And nothing's happening. Eventually, I crawl up and I sit on the toilet. And I'm just like, oh, God. And, of course, I'm looking at myself because my dad was weird. And he put an infinity mirror set up in the bathroom. (laughs) And I'm just like, God, I got to lose so much weight. And I look so white right now. And uh, to be fair. Yeah. What? You look pretty white anyway, so. To be fair, yeah, I see what you did. Yeah, that know. one's steaming in the other corner <laughs> over there. <laughs> and then my guts clenched. I pooped and I felt better. But today, all day, <laughs> I've been I've been aching. 
Okay. Aching all over. And in fact, I finally took some Tylenol and went to bed. And Jeff called me at 5.30 for something. And I sort of sleep talked my way through it. And then uh, I got a... I wanted you to bring me my dinner, goddammit. Yeah. (laughs) Bring Jeff his dinner. Yeah, apparently Jeff and Matt. I mean, I just... And instead, I was just like... And I went back to sleep and was late. So I did do that. This was, I guess this was the explanation for me. I appreciate it, Kay. Thank yeah. you. Um, Welcome to nap shock. Yeah. <laughs> I got my booster yesterday. Yeah. I'm a little fatigued today, but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny because my flu arm was actually hurting more than my COVID arm. Okay. But, I still need um, to do that one. I got but, the booster, but not the flu shot. Yeah. They, I had him do me a double whammy. Ooh, Let's just do this. Make it happen. Yeah. I got the spinal tap and the... the wow. <laughs> you dialed it up to 11. Yeah, yes, yeah. you did. Wow. Man. Get a little port that just every few months deep, deep, deep and inject some in you. Uh, I watched Hawkeye. I'm enjoying it. I agree with you, Jeff. Actually, I'm actually having a bit of a problem with... Uh-oh. And I love her because uh, I think Haley Stanfeld's a, a tremendous talent. But I'm actually having a problem with her... And the uh, interactions with uh, her family. Okay. Whereas her interactions with Jeremy Renner are working perfectly. I think they're hitting mm-hmm. it. So I agree with you. that I don't know what's going on there, but it's kind of weird to me. But I think that's doing very well. Um, so I'm enjoying that. Uh, I watched a couple episodes of Tribes of Europa. And I don't know how I feel about Tribes of Europa. What, so. what is Tribes of Europa? Post-apocalyptic in Europe, hence the name. And um, it's, it's, it's just, um, there's this group that live in the forests uh, after the big blackout. Black December, they call it, when everything stopped working in, uh, in the before time. Then there's your usual kind of road warrior wannabe crazies and then there's also a few other factions that you know kind of uh represent more civilized zones but there are a lot of different factions it's really interesting because i think it's german but it's definitely european because everybody speaks their own language so it's like they'll have characters speaking english but then you'll have characters speaking german and have characters speaking other languages that's kind of interesting so I'm trying to get wrapped up in it, and I'm not sure yet. I'm going to give it another episode. We'll see. I did the same thing with Arcane. That's the League of Legends. Uh, the animation? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, ugh, steampunk. So I'm going to give it another episode, but it's kind of steampunky, and I'm just oh, like, Andy just Yeah, I know. It's chubby yeah. right now. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, somewhere Andy's like, ooh, oh. what's going on here? He's going to post on Discord, what the fuck? Kirsten <laughs> but um, yeah I was so you know so I'm kind of lukewarm on those I'm gonna give him a chance okay I don't know but uh, definitely enjoying Hawkeye that's been some good fun so and I played some of my worst games of Catan on the Xbox mm. I've been shellacked oh wow so today was a miserable day so it was really funny because I didn't get the fever I didn't get chills or anything but I just I just as the day progressed I just ached all over more and more so and that nap really helped if i had gotten up and gotten jeff dinner i think i would have died oh geez <laughs> driving on the road 
And then Jeff would feel guilty. Yeah, Todd and I were talking about our boosters before you guys got here, and uh, I had my booster on a Wednesday, and then right after we recorded the podcast, like, I'm not kidding, five five minutes after you guys left, I started getting body aches mm. and uh, a headache, and uh, I didn't necessarily feel chilled, but I was like, I really need to, you know, wrap myself in a blanket or something, Yeah, because it wasn't... It wasn't the, like the shivering, like the chills. I just felt like I wasn't quite warm enough, and I decided to call it an early night. I went upstairs, went to bed, woke up feeling fine. So yeah, yeah. so don't be afraid of the booster. Yeah, um, don't was, be afraid of the, the the vaccines. It was weird. The twenty minute thing was weird because I was just like, "What? What is going on here?" And then it went away. Yeah, and yeah. I was waiting. Okay, maybe it'll come back. It's your body learning fight, man. I guess so. So it's it's in fighting mood. Software mode for the five G. Yeah. There you go. That's <laughs> true. Like, download the, the patch had to yeah. uh, had yeah. to download an update yeah. once <laughs> the security f- patch firmware was injected. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, that was uh, that was pretty much my week. I've been reading some sword and sorcery that I've been purchasing on Kindle. There are a couple of different anthologies. Uh, one I'm reading right now, Sword and Sorceries. Um, it's actually uh, it's actually got some good stories one of these things i'm impressed with is a lot of these are pretty well written even like the the magazine i mentioned months ago where the writers are clearly reactionary you know i love my my sword and sorcery where men are men and women are objects and and you know it's funny because even then the the writing is very good actually so that's been interesting to see, but um, not everybody's reactionary, which has also been kind of nice. So, oh, and uh, I've uh, I've gotten maps offline Aha. for the uh, Fuck Fest and Harry tier members, and um, when we finally get some D and D going on for our tier five members, yes, tier five, and so we will. You know, I'm 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 working on it, guys. I'm working on it. So. We'll get going. Getting I, close. Yeah, I have to. I have to uh, get the map gridded, and then uh, make characters and tokens. And that. And so, then, then boom. Yeah, got to make Matt's uh, halfling bard. Yes. No, I don't <laughs> play halfling. Halflings are weird. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Here we go again. That's it's, some it's, weird shit, man. No, I'm no telling you, people who like halflings, weird. Yeah, I agree with you. Wow. <laughs> You know what? It's time for another Jeff Bad Impression. Uh-oh. Yay! Yeah. So, this one this week was sent to us by Pat Spurl. Now, I do want to Uh-oh. throw out there a big thank you to Pat, because I don't know if you're aware of this, Shock Monkeys. On the Shock Monkeys layer and on Pat Spurl's YouTube channel, he has been editing Jeff's voice from the show into yeah. the scenes that Jeff is doing. So, and he's been just putting together these great compilations. So, a big thank you to Pat for that. Yeah. I'm absolutely adoring them. If you want to see him, again, he's been post- posting it on the Shock Monkeys layer on Facebook. So, yeah, check it out. The 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 Cleveland Shawshank is oh, just precious. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, so this week was sent by Pat. Okay. Uh, so... I sent you the script, as usual, so you have it. It's uh, one of Jack Burton's speeches from Big Trouble in Little China. (laughs) I have it in front of me. Right. Pat wants you to do that speech as Hulk Hogan. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
I know. This is difficulty ramped. <laughs> Comes crashing down in a hurts inside. Wow. It's been a good It's been a good thirty five years since I've watched anything with Hulk Hogan in it. I, I want you to channel your inner rock and wrestling, Jeff. All right. All right, so here it comes. Jack Burton's speech, one of many, from Big Trouble right. in China, as Hulk Hogan. What the hell does that mean, brother? Oh, wow. Huh? Oh, wow. China is here. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell that means. All I know is this Opan character comes out of thin air in the middle of the goddamn alley. While his buddies are flying around cutting wires, everybody's... <laughs> <laughs> Flying around on wires, cutting everybody to shreds. Got choked up there. And he just stands there waiting for me to drive straight through him. (laughs) (laughs) It's killing him. (laughs) I feel like Paul when he was doing impressions on the show. (laughs) Straight vocal cords. Everybody, I'm going to bring the house down for a minute. All right. <laughs> it's a good big finish. Yeah. <laughs> Eat your vitamins, brother. Let's go. And he just stands there waiting for him and for me to drive my truck straight through him with light coming out of his mouth, brother. <laughs> good. Job. All right. That's good. Wow. You made it. Yeah. You made it. I need a drink of water. Though. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> you, you have earned that water, Jeff. That's great. So thank you, Pat, for sending that in. And <laughs> many of you have sent. We've got them all. We just got them lined up. We'll do, we'll keep going through them as long as you keep sending them. So wow. if you send it, it will come. And if you got one, two, what, what, what's wrong with that? We what, don't want what? Jeff coming. What? All right. Just <laughs> wow. Depends on the on, on what the quote's well, gonna be. He's, he's now '80s jizz. <laughs> Shooting his boneless children all over the place. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, that was too far. Alan, that was too far. Boneless children. Next so time, much. remind me to have a cup of water ready and uh, not to eat chocolate before I do the frame pressure. <laughs> wow, Jeff. Good on you for that. Well done. Well done. Uh, thank you, Pat. And if you got one to send to us, uh, write to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com, and we'll add it to the queue. Uh, but let's get to some news. Let's do some news you don't give a shit about. Ah, oh, for what? fuck's sake. God damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe we should have you do it, Matt. You kind of got that wrestling <laughs> voice ready and raring to go. <laughs> oh, yeah, brother. Snap into a Slim Jim. <laughs> oh, wrong, Jeff's wrong do, wrestler. Jeff's doing yeah, a bonus you're, you're one. Doing, you're doing a, Macho Man. What are you, I know. Cream of the crop, Jeff. Cream of but, the crop. But you know what? It was so top. good. So good, you knew what it was. Yes. That's what Jeff does. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Did I say news you don't give a shit about? Yes, you, you did. But you know what? We can geek. We're already past what? it. What? Oh, man. <laughs> this is your fault, Andy. Woo-hoo. Yep. No news you don't give a shit about. All we can geek. Sony Pictures and Marvel Studios have extended their deal. Hold on. Sorry to interrupt. Don't give it. Give it. What you got? It's like a voice cried out from the Northeast. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand. <laughs> a thousand drops were spilled upon the lap. Yes, there you go. <laughs> a thousand go. man babies read this and then cried. <laughs> a thousand boneless children were flushed down the toilet. <laughs> 
Retaining more Spider-Man. Whoa! This is like his, what, third voice now? He's taking over everything. Yeah, let's just leave, Kay. Yeah, don't need me. I mean, you notice the the list of tier things didn't include me doing anything. And that's all on you, monkeys. Kirsten and Matt aren't here. It's just me and Jeff. Jeff's been doing all the voices. There you go. That boneless children joke is Jeff's. <laughs> a thousand, a boneless, children, a thousand self- boneless children cried out and were silenced. The old self-deprecating humor trick. <laughs> Sony Pictures and Marvel Studios have extended their deal involving Spider-Man. Producer Amy Pascal confirmed that the two studios have planned to work together on three more Spider-Man movies after Spider-Man No Way Home. And Tom Holland will continue to play Peter Parker slash Spider-Man in them. Spider-Man No Way Home tickets recently went on sale online, and the pre-sale crashed every major movie theater website. So that one's looking to be quite big. That's Indeed. insane. I've seen I've seen reports on scalping, which is like really fucking weird, like exorbitant amounts of money for tickets for premiere. Right. I saw one that someone's offering a premiere ticket for twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, it's but, but again, just because someone asks it doesn't mean they're going to get it. Yeah, scalping is, in general, scalping is just getting out of control. Yeah, um, but this is, it's like, it's a movie. I mean... Yeah, it's not a PS5, or what were you trying to scalp? <laughs> yeah, oh, you mean yeah. my, my, the Halo... Yeah, Halo Infinity... Infinite, Infinite yeah. Seri- Xbox Series Xbox X that Series I tried to X. get. Yeah, yeah, that was you, trying to scroll. Oh, can you get me one too, please? I'll flip it. Yeah. I know a guy. What You're I didn't mention jerk. when I talked about I how I guy. went... <laughs> But I didn't mention when I went to Best when I told the story about when I went to Best Buy and waited in line and we didn't get through half the line and all the anti-scalping measures that Best Buy said they'd instituted yet somehow the one console per household and they said they were quote checking IDs there were still several people putting multiple consoles into their trunk. Wow. Well, so, yeah. I don't know how they managed to Dude, if get I, around that. If but. I take all of you to Best Buy in my mm-hmm. car, then those four consoles are going into my trunk. <laughs> and then I go to that guy I know, <laughs> and I pay off my mortgage. Right. <laughs> but it's true. You can't get it online because of all the bots. People program bots to yeah. snipe. So it's... Bite, bite, snop, bite, snipe. Although there is legislation in the works that could be banning bots, making it illegal to use bots to try to um, uh, acquire consoles. They're not trying to ban scab- scalping altogether, but they're trying to ban yeah. the, the bot usage, try to level the playing field, saying, well, first yeah. come, first serve. All right. I, I'm sure the uh, the bots that are being done in Ukraine will give a big shit about that. Yeah. Well, right. you know, I know, that's, I know that's an issue, especially it, since even domestically, people that use bots to, to buy stuff to scalp they tend to buy their software from overseas software producers. Buy American, you <laughs> bastards. And Todd, but, uh, sanctions. Sanctions always work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've learned that. Yeah. But I was just surprised is that it got bipartisan support. But, you know. Uh, yeah, I know. It, it always has bipartisan support until it's time to sign the damn thing. And then, yeah. yeah. You know, or vote on it, I, I should remember, say. I remember, yeah, Susan Collins said she's pretty sure Trump learned about using bots on Twitter. So... <laughs> <laughs> or something. I don't know. Exactly how I remember it. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Exactly. Yeah. 
In a recent interview with Deadline, E1's Michael Lombardo, the president of global television for Habro, Hasbro's entertainment division, said that, quote, our big focus right now is Dungeons and Dragons, unquote. He went on to say, when I initially sat with Darren Throop from E1's CEO and Steve Bertram, E1's president of film and television, knowing that Dungeons and Dragons is part of the Hasbro portfolio was incredible, ex incredibly exciting to me. It's a world and part of it. What? It's a world. <laughs> You're really excited. You can't read this article. Right. It's a world and part of that is its challenges are, wow, where do you start? I love reading quotes that are just partial sentences. We don't want it to be just one show. So no. we are building out and developing out a multi-pronged approach for television, a number of scripted shows and unscripted. And we hope to be taking this out to the marketplace early next year. Lombardo went on to say, quote, I was not a Dungeons and Dragons kid, and maybe I'm too old for it. But the people that played it, they continue to play it, and it's so meaningful. They're so passionate about it. And we have had numerous discussions and a lot of interesting filmmakers. It's just finding the right team that has legs, that feels fresh in this moment. We have a big movie that's in post right now that will come out first. So we're trying to also navigate the brand more holistically so that the movie feels not apart, but connected somehow to a bigger universe, unquote. All I heard there for their unscripted one was, we're going to walk over to Critical Role with this huge check from Hasbro and say, hey, do this yeah, really? for us. That's where that's where they should go. Yeah, It's kind of funny. They, they talk about that, but, you know, Critical Role is just sitting there and that... That could be easily, easily mixed. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's obviously one of those things where he's a corporate guy who yeah. doesn't know a thing about Dungeons and Dragons. Not All he knows is that Dungeons and Dragons is selling better than it ever has. At least he admits he admits to those things. Yeah. So that's good. I, I just, yeah. It's kind of funny because uh, I think I've made the argument before. Why, why are you doing? Why do bog standard fantasy? If you're doing Dungeons and Dragons, because it's like anybody could do that. We could we could sit there and make a Dungeons and Dragons movie, not use any Dungeons and Dragons IP, and it would be a Dungeons and Dragons movie. You know, <clears throat> so you want to jump into that IP, and I, I I don't know. We'll see when the movie comes out. I'm uh, I'm glappy. I uh, in Week and Geek, I forgot to mention I'm I'm continuing to watch Wheel of Time, which uh boy they're condensing the hell out of things Woo! yeah not a lot not so much traveling as there is in the book yeah well yeah but um and well and, and that and and just like you know stuff that jordan took a couple books to get to they're already gotten to and stuff like that so it's it's kind of funny a proper condensing yeah but um you know i mean it's something like that right Wheel of Time has it. You could actually fall into the bog standard fantasy, but there's plenty of IP there that is unique to that world that you want to use. I'm really fascinated with all the Aes Sedai stuff. That's that I think that's been very cool, you know. And that's one of the things they're moving really fast on because you didn't see this many Aes Sedai in Eye of the World. It, 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 it you know. It didn't quite, <laughs> quite happen so fast. So it was cool. So you know, work the IP, guys. That's that's just I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. Like every time they've put out a movie or a TV show based on their IP, I just feel like they need to stick to making toys. Well, there is well, there is that. I mean, you guys well know that that was Parker Brothers, right? Clue. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They hit it right, I guess, cuz you guys love Clue. Clue, Kirsten, watch Clue. Clue's great. great have you, have you never watched ever. Clue, Kirsten? Watch Clue, Kirsten. I, I've never seen it either, Kirsten. I don't get it. Yeah. You're a liar. You're a liar, pants on fire. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. You, you claim I watched it with you. I have no memory of it. <laughs> <laughs> Zero memory. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who is in it except for Tim, Tim Curry. Curry. Man. Jeff, you can't let him watch movies Mike after McKean, he's done Michael the McKean, Ketamine. Tim Curry. I know Tim Curry just because I know Tim Curry, and I've seen pictures of You know Tim stills. Curry? That's awesome. That well, is you awesome. Know, it's, you know, acting circles. But oh. All right. Well, I okay. You keep claiming that, but I swear <laughs> I watched it with you. <laughs> You're sure it was with some other friend yes. that looked like me? Who looks I don't like have you? any other friends that look like you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he, he makes he makes the effort to avoid that, so he never confuses. <laughs> I'm the blonde. Matt's the ginger. Barry's the... Asshole. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but HasLab did hit their uh, their goal, and I'm, I'm getting my Ghostbusters proton pack. Okay. I can HasLab? I the HasLab. I can HasLab, yes. <laughs> well, look at you. You're going to run around the house naked with the protein pack on, right? Protein, protein pack? Protein pack? <laughs> yeah, talk about the I got a pro- children. <laughs> I got a protein pack for you right here. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I'm the one who's going too far. <laughs> Power pack? And no, I don't plan on running around the house in the proton pack. Proton. <laughs> Jeff naked. just running around. Hey, Matt, don't cross the streams. What? <laughs> I'm not staying here. It's Devin Barry. Hey, Barry. Yes. <laughs> but somehow Matt is here. It's kind of weird. Oh, okay. It's like, what the hell? Too much imagination in my head. <laughs> <laughs> my head is full of fuck. <laughs> 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 David Zucker and his frequent collaborators Pat Proft and Michael McManus have reunited for The Star of Malta, a period comedy spoof. Zucker will direct and co-write the script with Proft, the creator of the Police Academy movies, who worked with Zucker on several Naked Gun and Scary Movie picks, and McManus, who worked on Hot Shots Part Deux and Mafia. Uh, set in the 1940s America, Malta follows prize fighter Joe Medina, newly released from prison for killing his opponent in the ring as he pursues his love, Harriet Evans, to Hollywood. Hitchhiking west, he accidentally gains possession of a highly sought-after but cursed gemstone known as the Star of Malta and proceeds on an accidental murder spree, leaving a trail of people he never intended to kill. Zucker is considered one of the pioneers of the spoof film comedy genre due to his output as both director and co-writer of the 1980s with uh, movies such as Airplane, Top Secret, The Naked Gun, and its sequels. He partnered with Proft as co-writer for the gun movies and again when they took over the scary movie franchise in the 2000s. Their films have combined gross over $1 billion at the global box office. Malta will be the first outing for both Zucker and Proft since writing 2013's Scary Movie 5. Did I bring up on the show why they're not doing it as many uh, spoof films anymore? Uh, you know what? Even if you did, bring it on, because I don't remember. So, 
I, Another I, thing I he reading, doesn't yeah, remember. I, I don't remember Clue, and I don't remember you talking about that. Uh, well, so <laughs> I was reading on, I, I'm pretty sure it was Hollywood Reporter, but I'll have to double check. Um, uh, one of, uh, it, was a, they were, it was an interview with a studio exec, and they were talking about um, spoof films and why they have waned in the last decade or so. We, we haven't really had a, a good quote-unquote spoof film in probably a good 15 years. And they well, said the reason why I, is I, the I, international market. Okay. Apparently, spoof films don't do well in uh, China specifically, but in other uh, Asian markets like India and, and so forth. So, so films mm. that, you know, that they rely so, especially China, because China is a huge market for Hollywood. Yep. And if a film doesn't sell well there, they tend to not do more of that style of film. So Great. because they haven't been able to sell as many uh, types of films like spoof films to the China market, they haven't been doing it. China. Well, when you're making a spoof film, you're spoofing specific tropes sure. of specific genres that don't always go across to other cultures. Yeah, the, the humor doesn't translate well, apparently. Right. So you that, need, a, you need a film history, and China doesn't have that because sure. they do the 35 films a year, and they've only been doing that in the last, what? 25 years? Yeah, exactly. So there's that. Well, 2021, because I remember... Something like that, yeah. It's, I remember... It's, it's actually... The China market is actually surprisingly very new. Yeah. Uh, was it... Two th uh, I want to say... The CES of 2000 or 2001 was when they really started to open up uh, the Chinese market for technology production. Yeah. So, did uh, speaking of why they make movies, did you guys see the Stellan's uh, Skarsgård uh, comment on uh, movies? No. He was asked a question by somebody about Scorsese's thing about superhero movies and he actually came up with this magnificent m magnificent dissection of the economics of uh, modern hollywood it was just astounding and the internet kind of got all buzzy about it because he was like you're getting these movies that are either 100 million or more in budget or three million and less and you're not getting this mid-budget stuff right and he said and uh, a lot of that is because of you know, talking about the openings and, and uh, how many theaters you're playing in and stuff like that. And he mentioned The Godfather and talked about, you know, I mean, that opened in like 100 theaters and it, it took a while for word of mouth to get around and everything. And we don't have that anymore. No. It's like it's got to get out there. It's got to play and it's got to pay because of corporate interests that have uh, it's an investment. They want their 10 percent return. He pointed out that uh, when AT&T acquired everything, Time that Time Warner and uh, the HBO, yeah. they told HBO, you know, you got to be a little lighter and more commercial. And he said, and HBO was making money, but they weren't making enough money for investors. That's, yeah. that's the crazy thing that drives me nuts on this stuff, that being successful business-wise is not enough. Yeah. Yeah. That you have yep. to be super successful or it doesn't count. Right. And that just seems to be a, the best way to strangle any mm -hmm. business. But he was talking about how so much money, he said, like, his comment was, you've got eight people who, you know, own half the wealth in the world. And this, all of that concentration kind of directs the market forces and stuff. Right. And makes a real has a real effect on what gets selected. And he said, so what's the result? Well, a lot of these great directors and writers 
who could be doing these mid-range movies uh, between three million and a hundred million in budget are going to TV, which is yeah, yeah. That's why we're having that golden age in television writing, and it was very interesting because it was he didn't he didn't get he did not get at all. Uh, talk. He didn't talk down about anything. He's like, I've been in a few superhero movies, which is obviously why he was asked the question. And he's like, you know, I like them. They have their place. And he's like, we need the superhero movies, and we, we need that roller coaster movie. But you know, the other movies that we need are getting pushed out by market forces. And he said, it's it's really getting angry at creators is is not that's not going to solve anything because that's not the problem. That's true because. I mean, even with the television movies, the Netflix movie, if you will. Yeah. You're right. That's where the mid stuff's going. Yeah. It's going to Netflix. Right? Yeah, and there's there's not a lot of studios that are doing the, the mid-budget that you're talking about. In fact, uh, I, I remember reading about STX Films, and that's their target right now, is to do those mid-budget films. Sure. So, um, you know, the films that they've put out over the last few years that are actually pretty good films and they're in that mid-budget range. Uh, you've got the the Chadwick Boseman 21 Bridges. That was a mid-budget film. Uh, you had Peppermint with Jennifer Garner. Uh-huh. That was also a mid-budget film. You also had The Happy Time Murders. That I didn't realize that was STX at the time when I watched it in the theater until right. until the logo popped up. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And then, you know, comedy stuff like Bad Moms and so forth. So, I mean, that's... They're trying to capture that right. untapped market because you're absolutely right. Most of the bigger studios are saying, we want this we high budget or we this need something that's, over low budget. That's going to bring us that 10% return yes. on investment. And he exactly. said the smaller, I mean, it's like you're, you make a movie for $3 million and you don't have $3 million to market it. Yeah. And $3 million to market a movie is is Trump change these days. Yes. Yeah. So uh, he made a very, very good point about you know the nature of market forces, advertising movies, getting word out there and everything. It was it, it, If you get a chance, uh, um, Google it and read it. I actually posted it on my Facebook because it was it was actually a very very nice remark. I mean, and and you know, and it was it's funny because he's Nordic, and it was a very right. Nordic. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was he didn't he didn't do a takedown of Scorsese. He didn't slap him around. He was just like, well, look, this is the situation, and it was just really well done. Yeah. Really well done, and something I didn't think about until brought it up. So he he pointed out one flew over. He's like, you know, you don't have movies that just hang around. He said in Stockholm there was a theater ran one flew over the cuckoo's nest for twenty years. He said it's like a world record, and he said and and you just you just can't do that anymore. You you get out and you got to make the money and then move on to the next thing. It is interesting though if you think about it because Scorsese started off in fairly low budget films like raging bull was a very low budget film uh, raging bull mean streets yeah exactly um it it it, yeah it wasn't until he started getting into you know like your casinos and your goodfellas that he really started getting the higher budget films Mm -hmm. so but -hmm. yeah his early career was definitely dependent upon having amazing actors and an amazing script yeah, and, which is obviously the, yeah, what doing, he wants to see more of. But, yeah. you know, the problem is the studios. So it's kind of funny because a lot of those things are frequently come across as attacks on the audience and stuff. And I also think that's why uh, studios like Castle Rock are coming back, where it was we put money behind creators' visions 
whether it makes money or not that we want to finance it because right. we want to make art. It's nice to yeah. see that mentality come back again. Mm-hmm. And this could lead into a new revolution of of indie films like it happened in the 90s. Right. Well, at least I hope it would. Yeah. Of course that was and and that was part of the part of that was the festival circuit, right. especially like Aspen. Um, and he even mentioned, you know, you make your you make your three million dollar movie, and all it does is play in festivals, yep. and there you go. So, but yeah, and I think there's room for, especially ironically enough, I would say in the world of streaming, I think I think that there could be a lot of room for people seeing that mid range stuff. Is it's really funny because you hear people always like, oh, Hollywood's out of ideas; they can't write and. You know, if you write a good script, blah blah blah, and it's like, you know what, guys, they they are yeah. making movies with good spin, but they're they're small. You don't hear about them. They come and they go. Yep. You know, I wish people who talk like that would actually actually be on the lookout more because they could be supporting these movies, and they're not. They're just sitting there bitching. Sure. You know, I mean, okay, you want a better script in your blockbuster? Well. You know, what's the Hitchcock refrigerator effect? It's like, you know, if you can get through the movie and get him out the door, you don't, you're not really overly concerned with your plot holes or what have you. And so what if they're in front of the refrigerator at midnight and they're <laughs> yeah. like, wait a minute, how the hell did Hawkeye, meh, 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 meh. So, you know, if know. you think about it too, it is actually amazing the, um, the quality of film that you're getting in some of these superhero films considering how much studio involvement there is in it, how much product placement there is in it, how much external money is being thrown at these things. I think that was one of the things that really made Scorsese's remark uh, burn a bit. It's because it's like the Marvel superhero movies, they're not, they are very well made for what they are. They're very well made movies, period. Yeah. So to sit here and 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 sit there and ah, it's not cinema, it's not right. this. It's like gee, come it on. It sounded like he was focusing more on the spectacle aspect yes. of the film and not looking at the core of the script because these are still films that make you laugh, they make you cry, mm-hmm. they yeah break you down, build you back up. You know they have all the they, key they elements. They make Jeff go yeah yeah. <laughs> they have all the key <laughs> elements funny. of a great film. It's just wrapped in that superhero package. Yeah. Right. It's, it's almost like he's describing Punisher from the 90s, that movie. <laughs> Whoa! Wow, Whoa, you fucked you... up Jeff on that one. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> that, uh, that, uh, yeah, I, I, exactly. I mean, he has a point, but at the same time, I think the spectacle thing, Jeff, is the big thing yeah. a lot of people miss out on. Because I remember when he like gave his whole, you know, cinema is, and he, you know, cinema is this, cinema is that, and... And it's funny because the the phrases he used, it, he could have been describing a great book. Yeah. He could have been describing literature. Sure. He could have been describing art. So it was like, where is cinema in that, Marty? <laughs> you know? And it's 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 in the spectacle, you know? Yeah. So, and, you know, and also, who is he to say what is and is not well, art? Well, dude, I mean, yes, he, he's a successful dude, director. He's Marty Scorsese. Come on, let, yeah. you got to give him that. I definitely will give him that he's Marty Scorsese, but, you know, you know art is relative and subjective. Well, so, there is that. You know, he could have just said, it's not my thing. Yeah. But the way he did it was well, not you know a what? great approach. He, he's probably, he's probably burned because he, yeah. there are probably some... 
some mid-range stuff that he'd like to do, and well, he can't get interest in. He can't stir things up. Well, he did have difficulty getting the Irishman made, which is probably it made him a little bit bitter about it because okay, yeah, he was you know looking for a big theatrical release, and you know, horrible movie. It's, it's not a horrible film. It's just a long film, and there's a lot of exposition yes, horrible to me. that it just takes a while to get into. I, I, I don't know. I still haven't finished it. I still haven't finished the, thir- the last hour of it. It's your fault, Jeff. I'm uh, a yeah. freak, Todd, because well, exposition, yes, you know, exposition doesn't bother me at all. Like oh, it doesn't bother yeah. me either as long as it builds to something. But okay, yeah, listen, it's, The Irishman's like four hours long, okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's got a story to tell. Oh, well, okay. yeah. All right. You know, I mean, when you finally get down to talking about sexy swingers cruise, I'll be right. very disappointed if this is less than four hours of talking. You know what? I can't, I can't say anything because here's one that like tried to trudge his way through the Horace Heresy books. So I can't say anything. That's like true. Three books. <laughs> That's true. I'm sure. going oh, to crinkle and, up this paper and throw it at you. And as far as long <laughs> movies go, right in the Bowl of Honor. <laughs> as far as... Good, good throw, okay. <laughs> and, yes. As far and as, as far as a long movies go, when Dune Part Two is all done, that's going to be a five-hour movie. That's going to be big. And you said that you yourself said whatever you said about it. I said slow burn didn't bother me. Yeah, and here I am talking about the Irish. The Irishman. Oh, like, I hate that movie. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! You hate Dune? I thought you liked Dune. No, the Irishman. Oh, okay. The Irishman. Dune's a great movie. What's it is. the matter with the that? Irishman? Matt doesn't like Dune. It's weird. I don't know. I love it. Dune. I know. I love Dune. Even what happened? even. Even the 84 Dune. Dude, YouTube. He got on YouTube uh, and they, yeah. they hypnotized him. The man him. babies got him. Yeah, they got to him and made him turn around. Are you saying he pulled a Vernon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt took great exception Come to on, that everybody. Comment. Get into the lair and just tell Matt how Dune is such a great movie. Right. It is a great he just, movie. He doesn't. It is a great movie. I was talking about The Irishman. <laughs> The Irishman has nothing to do with Dune. Why do you compare the two? Yeah, really. Where are you <laughs> oh, going with God. this? I'm I... going somewhere with it. <laughs> Here. Oh, my God. Just so you know, long as Kathleen Kennedy's in my sandworm. Shy, <laughs> I can't say it. Shy, dude. Shy, good. Shy, good. You know, sometimes I can't tell what he says, but if you say a Dune name, there's no way I'm going to know what a man baby is saying with any Dune name. It's true. <laughs> uh, going back to yes, the yes, fact that spoof movies, where have they gone? Right. I, I also blame Jason Freeberg and Aaron Seltzer. Yeah. Ooh. Those are the two, frankly, the two bastards who made epic movie... Meet the Spartans, disaster yeah. movie, does, oh. those really low rent, horrible spoof movies from the early aughts. Uh, those low budget movies we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, they're low budget, all right, and they just weren't good. They they were just yeah. terrible, and they just gave spoof movies a bad name overall. That too, because they that once they started, they just flooded the market every year. It seemed like we were yep. getting another bad spoof movie. Well, maybe that's yeah. I think the international thing really makes sense. It does. Because you gotta, those are, it, those are deep cuts. Spoof movies are deep cuts, just like when we spoof poor Andy. <laughs> yeah, deep cuts. All those right. are deep cuts. 
he sits there and goes, oh, thin skin, thick skin, thick skin, thick skin. Skydance New Media announced a partnership with Marvel Entertainment to create and develop a narrative-driven action-adventure game with an original story and take on the Marvel Universe. The director of the Uncharted video game franchise, Amy Henning, will helm the game. This is the first project from Hemming and Julian Beek's new gaming studio, which was founded to pioneer a new category of story-focused interactive entertainment, a pioneering merger of games, cinema, and television. So, of course, very nebulous as to what this game is, but in Henning's hands, uh, all I can kind of see is a a Drake's Fortune Marvel style Marvel game, and I'm fine for that. I'm I'm there for that. I still haven't played the new uh, Guardians of the Galaxy game, but I just hear amazing things about it. I have some coworkers that have been praising it, so. David Fincher has teamed up with Netflix for a new documentary series called Voir, which is a series of visual essays celebrating cinema. One of the writers on the series is Drew McQueenie, who explained that the series would include 10 30-minute essays about, quote, something that intrigues us or upsets us that has to do with our connection to the movies, unquote. He also said that it's, quote, not like any other show about movies you've ever seen. Uh, Fincher is the award-winning movie filmmaker behind... Right? I, I, I added movie in there for no damn reason. Fincher is the award-winning filmmaker behind Fight Club, Zodiac, and The Social Network, and he recently signed a four-year film deal with Netflix. So Ooh, I can hardly wait till he gets doing movies again. And I'm, as far as essays go, I am a, absolutely adore Drew McQueenie. He has been a film reviewer for a long time. Uh, he is the one of the... Uh, Founders of the now defunct, unfortunately, uh, 80s movie podcast that came out a while ago where they watched every single movie in order from oh. 1980. All, I think they got up to about 1986 before they ended up having to abandon the project. Oh, really? Because you, I remember you announcing that. Yeah, it, 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 while it was running, and it's still out there. It's called The 80s All Over. Mm-hmm. That's the name. 86. Oh, they stopped just before, you know, 87, which was a yeah, big year. That was a huge year. So I, I think they just weren't making uh, enough of a living off that podcast that they had to go do other ventures, basically. Well, it's, it's a big-ass time commitment. <laughs> it is. It's, it, it, yeah, and that was also it, is they had to, because they didn't miss a single one. If it was released to theaters in the 80s, even re-releases, they watched it in order of... Good God. It's wow. it's it's almost a good thing that they ended eighty six because that, that stretch eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, you had some of the biggest blockbusters of the entire nineteen eighties yeah. in that three year stretch. So yeah, they, they would have been really inundated with movie watching. Yeah. So if you haven't taken that journey and you're still interested, it's still out there. The eighties all over. Start with January of 1980 and learn every single movie that was released in the 80s and what these two thought about it. So so the fact that Drew McQueenie is a part of this Fincher documentary, Voir, uh, I'm, I'm down. I'm absolutely down. Yeah, that does sound cool. And back in the spring, George A. Romero's long-shelved The Amusement Park film made its way to the world streaming for the very first time via Shudder. Now, another Romero film has come back from the dead. 
Ronald Gorewood. <laughs> Thank there. you. Thank yeah. you very much. Wow. Uh, Ronald Gorewood announced that a seldom, if ever seen, black and white 16 millimeter version of Martin has been located by the Living Dead Museum and gift shop of Monroeville, Pennsylvania, after nearly half a century. Uh, this cut, which runs for about three and a half hours, was allegedly Romero's preferred version of the movie. Wow. Uh, Gorewood also wrote that the plan is to return the fabled print back into the hands of original producer Richard Rubenstein and the production company Braddock Associates, quote, for digital revitalization and distribution to the world. Continuing, quote, to my knowledge, this is the only existing version of this Romero classic, he added. Uh, similar to the amusement park, Martin, originally released in the late 1970s, is one of those rare Romero movies that has nothing to do with zombies. It's a vampire story centered around Martin Matthias, a young man who believes himself to be an ageless bloodsucker. After his mother's suicide, he's sent to live with his uncle in a small Pennsylvania town whose residents become unsuspecting victims of Martin's iron-rich appetite. Uh, Second Sight Films will release a 4K restoration of the original print of Martin in early 2022. So, two unearths. Romero films. Yeah. yeah and one of them's a maple leaf cut. Nice and long. <laughs> it's it's yeah. things like this that keep me holding out for hope of uh, uh, London after midnight. Yeah, really. Just find that in somebody's salt mine. Right. That's that's where it's going to be. It's yeah. going to be unearthed in some forgotten Eastern Cellar European country. Yeah. 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 You know. It really is truly amazing how many of these you know, pit vaults. I don't want you to want to call them, but like the old salt mines. And I mean, where I grew up in around Kansas city, they have these massive vaults that are just, you know, dug into, you know, hillsides and so forth that they, you know, store stuff in and nobody really knows what's in all of those. And it's not just exclusive to that area of the Midwest. There's, places like this all over just not even just the United States all over the world and they with the way that films were distributed especially in the you know the early days of cinema nobody even knows if prints exist of certain films anymore sure I mean that's how we got Metropolis yeah the full cut of that was lost for a long time and that was discovered in one of these places yeah and that was another one that was infamous for having taken the original uh edit that the uh the director put together and being hacked up and distributed in multiple versions so people you know in san francisco would see a different version than people would see in new york and and people would see in paris and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so this was a film that you know i remember when we talked about it in film school they said no one has ever seen at that point no one has ever seen the exact copy of the film as was intended by the director because of the way that some places, some markets, they would shorten it down because they didn't want audiences to get too fidgety. Yeah, you know, you know you get some, Matt in that audience yeah, and he's just like, exactly. oh, some sections were taken 20 out. 20 minutes? Yeah, oh my God. Have you, you watched Irishman? I know. I mean, he, yes. Yeah, he, he gets in there and watches Dune. He just gets shuffly. For fuck's sakes. <laughs> Of course, I watched it at home, so I could hit pause. Yeah, you know, get a drink. Get and a huge sandwich. sections would be taken out in order to, you know, prevent anyone from getting offended in certain areas. So yeah, it's just uh, it's in crazy. the Irishman they did that. No, in in Metropolis. No, oh. no. Remember that this man 
Jeff is trained by Paul. You just yes. soldier yeah. through and finish your thought, through. no matter what's happening around. Although you. right now, I think Jeff and us have have stumbled across a brilliant idea. Oh, Martin Scorsese's Metropolis. Oh, come on, bring it on! <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I would watch that. There Four hours long. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Metropolis was made into a West End stage musical. I don't know if you are aware of this. Uh, yeah. It is horrible, by the way. It didn't. Oh. It, I don't remember it doing well, but I, I think it went on longer than it should have. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as a musical goes, they did it. Don't get me wrong. They were able to translate that sci-fi impressionist horror movie into stage worthiness and it's that'd be something it's so oh, it, it was spectacle it was pure spectacle but i don't know the music just wasn't there oh wow speaking of west end I, I today i saw a preview for a show that's opened up in england it's a stage play not a musical and i am so curious about it it's called the shark is broken and it takes oh. place during the filming of jaws yeah and it's the three actors sitting on that boat waiting for filming to start again because it's the like a Hollywood broken. waiting for good dough it, in a way I'd, I'd say it's probably closer to it's it seems more like a mammoth kind of thing oh boy to me because it's just these three actors talking about you know the fact that one this film isn't going to do very well it's you know <laughs> where's this film going to be in 40 years no nothing you know but just the uh, the actors kind of not kind of going at each other but taking that time down to kind of really get at each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm well, there was some getting at each other in yeah. real life. Yeah. So. so it's, it's based on that. So somebody Aww. wrote a stage play on that. Todd, you need to get that script so that, uh, you, me and Jeff can do that play as a God emperor tier for <laughs> Kofi. I think there's still licensing issues for that. I don't think we were allowed to do that. Oh, come on. Not without a lot of money since it's brand new and still in production. Dude, please. It's remember what, you know, when someone asked Professor Biggs about the Marvel stage readings and licensing. Good point. You know, be bold. Great things will come to you. (laughs) Yeah, lawsuits. Uh, speaking of lawsuits, this is some red light, green light. Red light, green light, such fun game to play. Doesn't matter what you say, they're gonna make this shit anyway. Oh, and I was gonna ask Kirsten a question about Jaws. No, go oh. ahead. Go ahead. So, it, Jaws correct trivia. me if I'm wrong, Kirsten. Wasn't it Dreyfus said that he and Scheider got along pretty well, but it was him and. Um, uh, Shaw. Shaw that just like oh, said yeah. Shaw was just actively belligerent to everybody. Well Shaw Shaw was a little belligerent. He he did, you know, take the piss as yeah. it was. But also uh he uh he and Dreyfus kind of bumped heads because of Shaw's alcoholism. He'd just get well, yeah. drunker as a day would go on and and I think one of the big moments was when they were sitting in between takes or something and he's holding a, a drink, an actual drink, and he's just like, I just, I just can't give this up, you know, to Dreyfus. And so Dreyfus took the drink out of his hand and threw it out the window. And that apparently was, it was like, off, probably sparked something. off to the races. Yeah. <laughs> so, although Dreyfus has said that more has been made of it than, well, than, yeah. than really uh, was going on. But yeah, they had the, they had that, uh, that lovely uh, tension. I'll bet you that scene's in the, 
Yeah, because yeah, the, the play, you know, because um, uh, well, that's that's actually exactly the scene I was thinking of. Like, I'd be interesting if that was in the play, because um, he's always. It seems like he's always said positive things about Roy Scheider, but he, yeah, he kind of deflects some of the. Well, yeah, because it, it, you know, because I think one of the big things was Shaw knew how to push his buttons. Yeah. And so, and he was the type of guy that when he knows he's going to go at it, he's going to do it. And that, that just was hard for Dreyfus. So, you know, because, you know, uh, Buddy Kravitz, that's, that's like the movie he did before Jaws. I mean, that's, that, that was a Duddy Kravitz. I forget the name, but it was like. That was the movie he did before Jaws. Okay. And so he, there he is, and this is Robert Shaw, you yeah. know, <clears throat> who kicks ass and takes names and then gets a little what drunk and a little mean. <laughs> what am I doing in this piece of shit film? That yeah. Kind of thing. Well, yeah, yeah, and that was like a, that was, a lot of that was like a tax thing, too. That was yeah. kind of, because he like, he owed the U.S. government, he owed the IRS because of working and earning in the U.S. Yep. And I think he negotiated his uh, salary for Jaws as, uh, as his... Tax payment? Yes. Wow. I, I, I believe, if I heard the story correctly, that's... <laughs> I need to get more into... Because I know all the problems with production on Jaws, but yeah. I've never learned about the, the animosity of the cast. Yeah, it's, it's funny because you, 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 there's, there's occasional interviews where Scheider comments on it, but, you know... Dreyfus is Dreyfus, so he's never yeah. at a loss for <laughs> talking. Never about at it. a loss for words. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, I call this meeting a done right productions to order. It's been a while. It's time to green light a new show. All right, I got four pitches here. Uh, one or more of them may be fake. The ones we will be considering are Noctera, Earthworm Jim, Fatal Attraction. And the world of Richard Scarry. So here we go. We'll start with the first one. Scott Snyder and Tony Daniels' best-selling Nocturna series, published by Image Comics, is becoming a television show at Netflix from Westworld producer Robert Patino and James Wan's Atomic Monster Production Company. The book takes place in post-apocalyptic world where a strange darkness turns any living being it touches into a feral monster known as a shade. Ten years after the sun was blotted out and the planet plunged into a state of eternal night, heroine Val Riggs ferries people and goods across the inky landscape in a hulking 18-wheeler tricked out with bright lights. When her radio dispatcher and brother Emmett is infected by the darkness, Val sets out to find a fabled illuminated city that may hold a cure and explanation for what happened to the sun all those years ago. Quote, I was pretty terrified as of the dark as a kid. And when my own son started having the same fears, the idea occurred to me, Snyder said, continuing, what if tomorrow night just never ended and this new darkness what if any living thing that stayed in it too long was transformed into something monstrous a shade it's one of those ideas you have and just know it's got everything you love to do unquote so what do you think of noctera sounds interesting yeah yeah <laughs> but I, I don't know what else to say i mean yeah. it does sound intriguing you know I, I, what, what, what do you like dark, what do you like about it well uh, the mystery. road in the dark yeah it's, yeah. it's there you he's, go he's not far off there, there you um, go. that's the log line in it you know and you know there's 
something about little mysteries to be solved in movies that's uh, you know typically attractive the inky infection that's the that appeals to the andy spill crowd <laughs> uh, i should read that immediately. hey where'd my guinness go <laughs> oh it's in your lap sorry no well, let's see how it compares to Earthworm Jim. A yes. brand new animated project based on the classic video game franchise Earthworm Jim is headed for the small screen via Interplay Entertainment, which owns the rights to the series. Earthworm Jim is an intrepid invertebrate who flies... Who fights, not flights, he fights. Invertebrate who fights the cosmic forces of evil with the help of a robotic suit. The show, quote, will also bring in characters as they navigate the galaxy, where each planet is home to a race of anthropomorphic animal. Jim's ultimate quest is to find his true home amongst the stars, a near-mythical planet called Earth, unquote. Michael, Pay, uh, Michael K. Parandi, head of Interplay's film and television division, is leading the Earthworm Jim adaptation charge alongside producer Aaron Billett and Mark Boyden-Joyer of Passion Pictures Animation Studio. Quote, created by the controversial and polarizing figure Doug Tennipple. Tennipple? Tennipple? I like your first one. Tennipple? Tennipple. 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 Doug Tennipple. <laughs> Earthworm Jim is... The Earthworm Jim first hit the scene in his 1994 title for the Sega Genesis. The game spawned three sequels, a limited Marvel Comics run, action figures, and a short-lived cartoon, which Jim was played by Dan Castellaneta, uh, best known as the voice of Homer Simpson. In a teaser, Jim, Earthworm Jim, discusses his desire to return to Earth, which has been, quote, the, has the best dirt in the entire universe, quote, its adventure. It's science fiction. It's not just action. It's also satire, he adds, presumably describing what the show entails. Continuing, but it has emotion. It has love. It's sensitive like me. Let's be clear. A worm lost in space can't be an earthworm, right? It's just a worm. Now we're talking about identity crisis is here. This is very serious themes, unquote. I don't know about that quote, but uh, I do like yeah. Earthworm Jim and all of the games. Did you have you played it back I, in the day? I, I know I know it by reputation. I saw other people play it because I didn't have a Genesis. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. I like that. I like the cartoon. Early '90s, right? Sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, keeping it as an animated series, I think, is a is a good idea. Um, I would have liked a live action Earthworm Jim. I just yeah. I don't know enough about the character background to either get excited or disappointed by this. So <laughs> I, I don't know what to think on this one. Um, but you know, Matt, what did sure. you like best about Earthworm Jim as a, as a cartoon or as an entity? I can't remember now, dude. I just I just remember like many hours of playing the actual game. Just, okay, that's it. That's okay, all, that's all I got. Just all my Genesis playing it. Fair enough. But all right, let's was... see how that stacks against Fatal Attraction. Paramount Plus has announced that they are developing a series adaptation of the 1987 thriller Fatal Attraction for television. Actress Lizzie Kaplan, who was in Mean Girls, Masters of Sex, and Castle Rock, will star as the lead role as Alex. The character is described as someone, quote, who becomes obsessed with her lover after a brief affair, unquote. Alexandra Cunningham, uh, who is in Dirty John and Chance, is set to serve as writer, showrunner, and executive producer of the series, alongside executive producer Kevin J. Hines, who did Perry Mason. Hines will share co-story credit with Cunningham. Here's the synopsis. 
a deep-dive reimagining of the classic psychosexual thriller and 80s cultural touchstone. The new series will explore fatal attraction and the timeless themes of marriage and infidelity through the lens of modern attitudes towards strong women, personality disorders, and coercive control. Uh, Nicole Clemens, president of Paramount Plus, original scripted series, gave the following statement about the series, quote, Alexandra brings an incredibly strong and nuanced point of view to a story that became a cultural phenomenon, but has thus far only been told from the male gaze. Partnered with Kevin, they will bring the next explosive chapter of the story to a new generation with a balanced eye to complexities of the human psyche, unquote. So what do you feel about a TV adaptation of Fatal Attraction? I don't know if it'll work as, as a TV show because it's got to be like all wrapped up nicely in a movie, I think, for well, that theme to really work. It's a Unless, limited series, though. So, Okay, I missed that part. Limited series. I just see... I don't, I don't see limited anywhere. Oh. I see series I adaptation. Limited. You didn't miss that part because it wasn't there. Makes sense, though. I, I see what you're saying with that, that, you know, they have the story, except for Netflix is doing a great job with something similar based on this book, You. That series is still going and has a big following. It has a similar feel. It's a stalker, a crazed yeah, does, stalker does obsession it, thing. Isn't that show like he's picking out new victims each season or something like that? Or I haven't seen past the first season or read past the first <laughs> book, okay. so I can't tell you what it is past the first season. I've read the fir- the first book. We did it for the book club. And so it was good, but it does have that fatal attraction aspect of it from the the male the side of it. Point of view, yeah. Yeah. I'm just... I feel like the material the movie is based on and then now the series based on is a bit problematic. Um, you know, the notion of the crazy obsessed woman that is typically pl- proliferated by a lot of cinema throughout history... Uh, not to mention in everyday life. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly feel like the movie got made. It was popular. It needs to stay where it was in the past. And I think trying to bring it into the 21st century and then trying to quote unquote polish it by making it, you know, a story about a, a you know, a strong woman, but there's the core of the, the, the core of the story is still there. She's obsessed with somebody, and it's. I just feel like it does disservice to what they're saying. They're saying they're trying to do, which is to show a strong woman in an environment where. Well, she's she's a, successful. She's a woman who. It, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. If they stick to the movie, because she's a woman who creepily picked up a, the daughter and took her for a, a, a day at yeah. the 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 theme park and then of course boiled the bunny right it's just it's sort of like that's all kind of crazy stuff you know i yeah I, rem- they- I remember watching it with friends in college and and one of one of my friends was sort of like oh i was on her side until the bunny <laughs> and everyone was like oh my god because you know it's like the the battery acid on the car and the, yeah. the stuff like that and it, it i just I don't know. And it has been kind of remade multiple times over the years. Single white yeah. female. And, yeah. Uh, there's a, especially in the 90s, there was a bunch of uh, obsessed right. lover stories. I don't know. I just I feel like it's a storyline that needs to stay in the past. And I think 
there are other things they could do to show female empowerment. And I don't think this is an appropriate yeah. story. Right. Like, you for, know, for, for such a thing. Let's get the Lorena Bobbitt TV show. <laughs> yeah. There's some female empowerment. All right, let's see how it stacks against the final one. The world of Richard Scarry, Seth Rogen, and Judd Apatow are teaming up with Paramount Plus to bring the world of Richard Scarry to life. Quote, the series will be similar to the idea of learning through watching, but done with real people. In fact, actual humans, while leaving the puppets in politics and reality TV, Rogan stated in a recent interview with O Magazine. Quote, take the book, What Do People Do All Day? It's a good book, but we are going to bring it into this decade. We're going to incorporate famous people with interesting hobbies throughout the episodes, as well as experts and even the guy down the street that makes your favorite soup, unquote, Seth added later. Uh, the show is planning on running a 10 half hour episode summer of 2022 that is starting with what people do all day book. So what do you think of the world of Richard Scarry? God, I'm trying to remember. We watched or read rather Richard Scarry books when I was in grade school, but I don't remember much about him. That was so long ago. It's an odd thing with this pitch yeah. because the Richard Scarry books are animals yeah right so there's like a big worm a bunch of cats and dogs and foxes and so on all doing human things yeah and so bringing this live action i'm like what exactly are you saying seth yeah i've never heard of those books uh children's books uh through and through and through a, b- a whole yeah. bunch of them i uh, think think berenstain bears as far as the okay yeah yeah i i i'm, I'm having trouble just uh, digesting this concept, so I don't know. I mean, I've always liked the the art of Richard Scarry, and sure. I think there was an animated series for a while. Might have been on PBS back in the nineties. Uh, but uh, but like, if you if you like look up the Richard Scarry, you you probably recognize like, oh yeah, that because it's a very distinct art style. Yeah, exactly. So there you have it. There's your four choices: Noctera. Earthworm Jim, Fatal Attraction, and the world of Richard Scarry. Where do you put your green light, Matt? I got to go with, I think, I'm liking Free Road in the Dark. I got a green light, that one. A very bright green light. I've never heard of Richard Scarry, Fatal Attraction, yeah. You like it better than Earthworm Jim, though. You were, you were kind of pushing on that one. Well, I've he already was. seen it. I've already seen that. Oh, oh. It, so. There you go. He hasn't seen Fury Road in the Dark. <laughs> that's right. right that's right and I'm looking at these Richard Scarry books artwork no I've never never seen any of these that's what you get for growing up Canadian I guess there you go but. growing up Canadian I'll green light that series <laughs> I'm sure there were things from your childhood that we would know nothing about as well the no. raccoons <laughs> the wonder years a Canuck story <laughs> <laughs> Jeff so, gotta go Fear Road in the Dark Fear Road in the Dark Nocturne Nocturna alright or Noctera, sorry. Yeah, uh, Noctera. Jeff, where do you put your green? Uh, I'm also going to go with Noctera. Um, of all the pitches, I think that seems the most fully formed and um, has the potential for being not only entertaining, but, you know, suspenseful enough that you want to continue watching it. So I'm interested to see what they do with, like, the shades. Yeah. Like, what are they going to, like, little outlines or, like, yeah, because, I mean, you're Something. always going to have shadows no matter yeah. what you do. So, you know, they, they're going to have to do some world building, uh, obviously. But 
I kind of hope they're like the ghosts at the end of the movie Ghost, where they just yeah. they come out of the shadows and just grab <laughs> you and take you away. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. I could see that. I like that. But uh, yeah, that's. I think that's. And the, they have I, the sound too, like. Yeah. You know what? I stand by. It. Ghost is a great movie. <laughs> I think that's the one that's got the most legs underneath it. All right, knock Tara for Jeff. Kirsten, what, where do you put your green? Yeah, um, they should hire Maple Leaf for publicity because that Fury Road in the dark that just nails it. That just that that that's the I've got to see this line. You know, it's got there's a little quiet place, right? A little what is it? A bird box. Uh, okay you know yeah but um overall yeah i i like that it um yeah fatal attraction i i i'm not quite with jeff on the on the whole shelf the problematic thing but i do see this is incredibly difficult i mean i think we're literally looking at you know you're trying to do a dexter thing and uh, Dexter had a nice twist to make make him a protagonist. I don't I don't see a nice twist in in making this work for Fatal Attraction. Yeah. And as a statement for female empowerment, going bug shit crazy and stalking someone is not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you know. And then Earthworm Jim, me, I you know I I wasn't into the game. I I really didn't you know care much about that. And then um. That's uh, a fake one. What, what was was there another one? <laughs> the world of Richard Scary. Oh, Scary. Yeah, I'm I'm with uh, I'm with uh, Maple Leaf on that. I I don't know anything about the books, and I don't know, dude. The pitch you read, I just nothing grabbed me about it. It sounds like you have to be a Richard Scary fan for this to actually um, for you, yeah. hit for you. I don't know. Well, knowing so. Seth Rogen, he probably was a well, fan and yeah. probably... And, that sounds and like... knowing Seth Rogen, you know what? No, I, he wasn't. He's a Canadian. He didn't grow up with this. Yeah. this is bullshit. <laughs> it is interesting, though, it's knowing that Seth Rogen is developing Preacher and the World of Richard Scary. That's, a, that's yeah. two sides of the earth. Yeah. And Pol- he can polar do that. Polar opposites. And he can do that. So, you know, there is that. Rogen can do it. So, but yeah, I'm not Tara. All right. So it's official. Green light to Noctera. So which of these do you think are fake? Matt. Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim. It's already been done. Wasn't successful, I don't think, the TV show, the little limited cartoon. But Earthworm Jim. Jeff, what do you think is fake? I kind of feel like Hollywood would definitely do a, a, a remake of um, Fatal Attraction. So I kind of feel like the world of Richard Scarry is probably the fake one. Kirsten, what do you think's fake? Yeah, I agree with Jeff. Richard Scary. I think whomever threw Seth Rogen into that pitch to like sweeten the pot, sort of like that. What the fuck was that one that really, really fucked us up a few months ago? Oh, the oh, bacon. Yeah. Uh, was a, not bacon and eggs, but uh, uh, did something like something that. Something along those lines. The person they threw. Oh, uh, oh, oh Ryan blue, Reynolds. Uh, blue waffles. That yes, was the one, blue yeah. waffles. And we were like, well, that sounds totally like Ryan. You know, this. You sure. Know, Seth Rogen, this has got the Ryan Reynolds blue waffles stink to it. <laughs> the fake pitch was sent to us by, it's a Pat Spurl show this week. It was yeah. Pat Spurl, and yes, the world of Richard Scarry. The guy that brought us blue waffles brought us the world of Richard uh-huh. Scarry. I should have known that too because Seth Rogen, I even said it. He's Canadian. He has no idea what these books are. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did I say it. it. I can't believe they're redoing Earthworm Jim. Wow. So yeah, Nocturna, Earthworm Jim, and Fatal Attraction Noctera. are. That's what I said. Oh. Uh, 
<laughs> are all in some form of development. So, uh, and if you got a pitch to send to us, write us comments at geekshockpodcast.com. Put pitches, bitches in the subject heading so I can find them quickly. And uh, write your pitch out. And if you don't want me to edit it, please say so in the body of the text. I'm kind of excited for this Noctera thing. Yeah, it sounds hey, interesting. You know, I was kind of like, meh. Yeah, I mean, I like Snyder. I, I think he does fun movies. But then, but then Matt said, Fury Road in the Dark. And I'm like, well, oh, he even, now this is cherry on top with the, the, the ghost from Ghosts at the very end. Well, true. Like now, this is ball. Scott Snyder, the uh, comic book writer. Well, then, fuck it. <laughs> Can I change? Can I change? I want to green light Richard. Because, first of all, I think if we shorten it to Dick Scary. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. okay. Well, the title alone, Dick Scary. That, I think that's going to sell right. it. Especially Dick if it's scary. filed alphabetical by last name. Right. And it does sound like something Rogan would do. So yes. Dick Scary is absolutely <laughs> <laughs> What's your dick scary? Scary. <laughs> What's your dick scary? Write to us. Comments at geekshockpodcast.com. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I want to thank all the Kofi members, especially our tier five members, Leon Mitt, Jeff Harris, Jake Godbold, Ozzy Matt, Mad Martrin, and our Fireball Whiskey tier four, King Vault, Deb T, and David Farrar, and all of our Kofi members. Thank you. You make our world go round. Yeah. Right round, baby. Right round. And don't forget, check out J.R. Conkle's books, Citadel of... Yes. Yes. Read. Review. Yes. Read and review. Right. Smash those stars. And uh, Gathering of the Fallen will be available for free on the 10th, 11th, and 12th of Whack the Saw button. So So you Kindle people, get ready to grab it. There you go. And if Citadel of the Fallen is cheap, grab that, then get the freebie. And then read to you, read to your heart's content because yeah. yeah, he's doing a good job there. So, and until next week, I am Master Torgo, '80s Jeff, Omicron K, Maple Leaf Matt, and we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I heard that Omicron. Apparently, this was a weird thing I, I, I read that viruses, as they go on, the mutations they they'll become more infectious, but they'll actually become less deadly. It's yes. apparently it's like a trend because viruses right. want to live. Yeah, you know, yes. if they if they kill themselves out, they if, if the patient dies, they die too. Well, which is, they want to be not, like that's evil. Not no, 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 that's no. not one hundred percent true because no? the rabies virus ah is almost one hundred percent. That's true. So yeah, and, uh, and also and animals too. Everybody everybody tends to forget survival of the fittest is is not a, a, a great way to express what Darwin was talking about. It's survival long enough to reproduce yep and you pass on to whatever so that they have long enough to reproduce so uh, if you know it's almost like the 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 praying mantis biting off the head of the male right if the virus dies as soon as that cell explodes and lets out all those you know rna viruses and does it it's done its job it has it has succeeded so but yeah, and, and I, I didn't know that about viruses, so that was interesting to read about. But uh, some people, not a lot, but some people have said this might be an indication we're actually actually going to round the corner because uh, because of that. So I don't know. But apparently, it is well, not say, as deadly. They say to three to six months, it's going to be the dominant all over the world Omicron, mm-hmm. and yeah. then there's a Unicron. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that one's big. Yeah, yeah. that, one's that infection. That you, you, you just you see it coming. Explodes. You see it coming. Like yeah. that's Unicron. Yeah. Oh, Hide boy. your energon cubes. Yes. There you go. I'm. I, yeah. I don't know. 
Is it? Yeah, because uh, Israel, I think, shut down all foreign travel. Oh, wow. No one's coming in. No one's coming in. Well, no foreigner is coming into the, the country. So. so they didn't get to listen to the song Cold as Ice? See, Jeff, no. Jeff will always be Jeff. And that's, <laughs> that is something that we can bank on forever. I love you, Jeff. I love you for that one. Todd loves you, Jeff. <laughs> Todd loves you. I know. He loves you, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs>